0: Right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the new chapter called Human Chapters. Um, humans are living narratives with the past, present and future. The narrative con- constitutes of various chapters. The aim of this page is to highlight these chapters through intimate conversations. And tonight's conversation is with the lovely Kate. Kate, please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, Artie. Um, hi, everyone. Um, my name is Kate uh, Radevski and um, I'm a mother of three. Um, three girls, 8, 10 and nearly 12. Um, life's pretty busy at the, at the moment, as you can imagine, with the remote learning and everything. Um I um, am married uh, my husband is Macedonian born in Australia um, but he, both his parents born overseas I um what was I going to say sorry <laughs> um look I am passionate about a lot of things um but Social um, justice is something that's really um, important to me and I think it's uh, led me to do a lot of the work that I do Um, and, yeah, just um, also made me connect with different people um, through the years and, um, yeah, I think that's how one of the ways I've ended up um, in my current role. Um, working at St Paul's African House. I'm um, the Partnerships and Programs Manager there um, and have been for the last uh, 18 months or so in a, in a really interesting time, as you would know, during this um, pandemic.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you so much for that introduction. That's awesome. You said you're very strong on social justice. Um, what does social justice mean to you?
1: Uh, social justice to me, um, probably another word that I'd put with it would be equity. Um, I just feel very strongly that we all should have the same, be on the same playing field. We should all have the same opportunities. Um, you know, we all come from different places, but I think that, yeah, we should all be able to have that same um yeah really sorry i'm lost for words now but uh opportunities to be able to do whatever it is that we want and access whatever we need uh, when we need it there shouldn't be any um discrepancies yeah there shouldn't just be any differences because of um where someone's from or their background or where they grew up or you know anything like that we we should really you know um we should all have those same opportunities
0: absolutely thank you for that and i
1: yeah and i guess sorry the other thing is that i guess it's the injustice that makes you so um makes me so fiery and um want to work towards taking you removing that um yeah
0: you mentioned the word fiery i love it um Mm -hmm. what happens to you could you describe what actually happens to you when when you do feel that vicious fire within you? Um, yeah
1: yeah, so I mean sometimes it's a case of feeling hot, you know, just like this burning sensation of um almost like a burning of disbelief that that you're either hearing what you're hearing or seeing or you you're witnessing this injustice. Um, but also a, a sense of like sadness um, that somebody's experiencing this, but then probably to the um the drive to call to action to do something about it to um, yeah even if you're uncomfortable to to step forward and um, do something and and I think there's always something that you can do it might not be. Um, you know, you might not actually be reaching out to that person, but there's some way that you may be able to, yeah, I think we can all um, make a difference in in our own way.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And you said you work at St. Paul's African House?
1: Mm-hmm. What's that about? What's that about?
0: Yeah. What is it about? Yeah. Where is yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um well, it's a really unique um, organisation. So St Paul's African House is a project of the um, St Paul's Lutheran Church in Shepparton. Um, it's a project of the church, but it's actually um, a separate organisation. So whilst the church is um, obviously faith-based in the Lutheran faith, um, St Paul's African House is a space for absolutely Everybody um, and anyone, all, all are welcome in the space. And um, it's been designed to provide a, a really self-safe um, and welcoming, um, and a space that can be owned by the local um, African community um, in Shepherdon, and you know, a place where they can come and they feel comfortable. Um, a place where they can share their culture, and preserve their culture as, you know, more years go on living in, in Shepparton in Australia. Um, sometimes the cultural stuff can, um, if there isn't a, a place to be able to celebrate and preserve that um, and honour it, um, it can be lost to some extent. extent. Um, we also are there to provide capacity building programs Um, to anyone um, of African heritage and of late um, we've also um, expanded that to, you know, be any kind of migrant, Um, you know, you're welcome to to come and access those programs as well. Um, And really one of our other really important things that I believe we're there for is that we're there to provide opportunities for the wider community non African community to engage with our beautiful um, African community that we have here to learn from them and then also from for the African community to learn from the wider community as well um, breaking down barriers you know building relationships I think that's I think it's just such an important thing that that we can do um, often people have um, misunderstandings or Um, you know, just uh, stereotypes and and things about particular groups of people and um, we can provide that opportunity to break those down and um, change change the narrative about that.
0: Mm. Thank you. So your obvious, that passion was quite evident in your voice. What... Were you always this passionate about cultures, um, working in a community house like that, like this? What's been your journey? How did you land this job and in the 18 months, what has it been like? Uh, Your personal experience?
1: Yeah, well, I think um, it's, yeah, it's, I think there's been a few different things. Definitely ever since I can remember as, you know, being a little person, I just always had um, this really strong interest in um, African culture. Um, You know, it probably sounds cliche, but I'd watch the, you know, the ads with, with the, um, you know, terrible, um, malnourished little African people on the screen. And, you know, it would just, it would, tear my heart out, even just as a little person. And I guess I just had this really strong calling to assist. Um, And I guess, you know, I was little, maybe say, let's say six years old, and I had no idea about life, obviously, at six years old. But I I probably didn't really know how to help. But, you know, I would say, I'm going to fly bread and milk over to Africa. And, you know, that was just something that I thought you know, that I could do and um, I have had this quite bizarre, um, yeah, sense that, that I needed to, um, to do that. You know, um, years on, I um, got to year 12 and thought, I'm just going to do this. I have to, you know, I have to just follow this up and um, so I applied to every aid organisation possible. Um, and said, "I'll, you know, just take me. I'll, I'll go anywhere and do anything." Um, and was rejected by 42 of them, or something, you know, all, all of them, all of the ones that I'd written to. Um, just so naive. I had no, I had no idea really um, what it was all about. But I guess that that just kept burning along year after year. Um, went to different information sessions with you know Australian volunteers abroad and and those types of things. Um and then had a, a small stint in Cambodia, um, just doing a little bit of um you know, a few weeks really, three weeks with a with an aid organization. And um, you know, that kind of just gave me a little tiny bite of the pie, I guess. Um, but then coming back to Shepherdon, um, I just yeah, it was still there, just this want to um, to help, but not, um, what's the word? It wasn't about wanting to hand, hand out, like that same, you know, juvenile thoughts that I had. Um, it was more about wanting to learn more, um, wanting to see how I could kind of do that work in my own community. Um, how, how could that kind of happen? Mm. Um, and I guess it probably didn't happen until um, maybe, say, five or so years ago. Gosh, it's hard to think. Time flies. Um, But I was working in a role um, within the local um, hospital doing some diversity um, work. Mm. And I think that probably kind of got that fire really um, raging again. I, I was in charge of a role where we provided hospital tours um, for new arrivals. And for the first time in a very long time, I actually felt that I could make a difference to those people who came in, you know, um, and it started with the most simplest of things of, um, you know, smiling at people when they came in and just making them feel so welcome. And I always used to think, well, the tour was like, they were coming to my house, you know, they're coming out. So I would always make sure that there was something appropriate for them to eat, you know, it might've just been apples and some biscuits or something, but something to make them feel that you're in my space and I, I welcome you and it's a safe space. And um, particularly being in a hospital, you know, that's, it was an important place for them to feel comfortable and to have a good experience. Um, in case, well, for the I guess for the future when they would have to come in contact with the hospital, um, and yeah, that just gave me it just kind of reignited that that passion, um, and um, and then I just I guess I've just followed different organisations in in Greater Shepparton um, for quite some time, um, and the work that they do in the multicultural communities and. Um, There was an opening at St Paul's African House and um, I just stepped forward really and just said that I had this desire to work there and uh, if there was any way that I could assist that I would do that and really became um, started working there in a slightly different capacity running um, the A Taste of African Cultures Festival Um, and from there... um, yeah, the rest is history, as they say.
0: Yes. Oh, that yeah. is such a beautiful story to listen to your journey all the way from childhood. And isn't it a lot of the times when you're an adult and you look back on your childhood, you go, oh, I knew, I, I knew what I wanted to do. Like you have mm. the callings just there and yeah. it doesn't go away quickly.
1: No, 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 for sure. And, like, I feel like that's kind of one, you know, that was kind of one of the stories. Maybe there was a few kind of stories running, you know, alongside each other. And Mm -hmm. so there was that. But then when I started reflecting on, I guess, my family upbringing and um, the other things that may have influenced, not necessarily my desire to work with the African community, but to work with and um, build relationships with people. Of different nationalities, um, my father's parents um, were both from northern Italy. Are uh, both from northern Italy, and um, he was born in Australia. And um, you know, I guess I always enjoyed listening to his stories about um, growing up in Shepparton and what it was like, and what it was like being Italian. And um, he would talk about. You know the not so nice things that happened to him when he was you know um growing up being called a wog and being teased for having salami at school and all, all these things and um so i guess i just feel like there's little things like that that all the way along kind of just add to that sense of that sense of injustice um and you know they I've always been really interested in other cultures and um, possibly, I don't know whether it is the way, or how I met my husband, but um, he's, his parents, um, as I said earlier, were both born in Macedonia and um, you know, I've heard some of their stories too, about when they came out um, to Australia and when they were growing up and um, I actually had really quite a close relationship with, um, I do still have, although it's very hard to see her um, at the moment because she's in Melbourne and with all the restrictions. But my mother-in-law's mother, um, I used to just spend a lot of time with her and she only had limited English and I had just about no um, Macedonian, but we used to get along really well. And um, she would also tell me about, you know, funny experiences and and things that she had um, gone through when she moved um, from Macedonia to Australia. Um, And I guess, yeah, I guess there was just all these little, there's all these little things that have happened um, to build towards that. But I think they also have given me all of these different experiences, or people's um, stories about experiences, which have led me to kind of be more curious and wanting to know other people's stories and wanting to hear them and try and understand where they've come from and you know how it's affected them and how um, we can contribute to that or you know or the things that we do that maybe don't make things so easy for people um, yeah so I think there's just kind of this ever-growing interest about people um, others um and their differences
0: yeah that is so interesting so from and i'll um go back to your relationship with the your mother-in-law's mother Mm -hmm. Um, so being a speech pathologist one of the things we look at very intricately is social skills and social skills in order to start relationships, so it could be any sort of relationship, in order to maintain a relationship, in order to deepen it. Like there are so many different things that, or so many different skills that are interwoven into a good relationship or a good conversation. One Mm -hmm. of them being language and the use Mm -hmm. of language. So with your relationship with your mother-in-law's mother, language was a barrier. But how, mm-hmm. it still, got to um, really well. How, and apart from, I'm guessing food was involved somewhere. With
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the next bit, yeah, for sure. That's how you learn. That's how you learn the language through the food. I, I can tell you every vegetable's name. You know, <laughs> very, yeah.
0: yeah. How could you describe a bit of that relationship? And with that the language being that big a barrier, clearly, you yeah. know, I think language is a huge barrier, but describe that relationship. Um, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's, it's a really, sorry. What was the last piece?
0: Even, and even widen for that matter. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I first met her um, in, in the Macedonian um, culture, you know, having a, boyfriend or a girlfriend is not really a done thing like if you're going to introduce somebody it's it's for keeps and um so I think I had it was Easter time actually and my husband or you know my then boyfriend um now husband we'd pulled up out the front of her house and um he said, I've just got to run in and grab something from my bubba, uh, his, from his grandmother, to, to bring back to Shepparton. And so he'd gone in and she must have asked him something about, did you have, oh, like she must have sensed something was funny about him. And anyway, she ended up um, coming out of the house and I had stayed in the car and you know, she, she came out just full of joy and, you know, she's the most beautiful lady. You, you know, you've really got to see her to believe it. But um, she just came out full of love and joy um, to see me. And, um, you know, it was a bit awkward because I'm thinking, oh, no, now we're, we're going to get in trouble or, you know, I'm going to make things awkward for everybody. Um, but it was almost like as soon as I met her and she met me, we just had this instant connection um and she gave me an easter egg which was really sweet (laughs) really sweet um and I often think like my I never knew my father's mother um because she passed when I was one and a half um really suddenly and I often say that she's like my nonna she would have been my nonna because I never knew my nonna but I have a lot of love for her even though I, I don't know her um but My husband's bubba is just, yeah, she's just like, she's like a part of me. Um, And yeah, we've always felt that way about each other, I think. You know, she has never expressed, I guess, in those words, because as I said, her her English is quite limited. Um, But we really just, I think also because I was in Melbourne and away from my family, I enjoyed spending time with her because she was, I wasn't with my own grandparents or my own family, Um, But I could go and spend time with her and just take her grocery shopping and she would take me into the little um, ethnic parts of um, Thomastown, which, you know, it was great to have her, you know, taking me along to these little shops when, you know, where she bought certain things. Um, And our, yeah, relationship, relationship just grew and it never felt like, it never felt hard. It was just, yeah, it was just easy and it was like she was my grandmother and um she was so proud to have me on her you know um on her arm and i was you know equally proud um to have her on mine um yeah and i think look we i did live with her for a very very um short time and Mm -hmm. she just just a beautiful woman always wanting to take care of you um just so she was always so happy with um Myself being, I don't know, she always just seemed positive and um, reinforcing. She just, yeah, really a really beautiful old lady.
0: That's gorgeous. And mm. how did you, so if you wanted to share something with her verbally, experience or something, how did you get that message across with her limited
1: English? We just would just speak mm. normally yeah um and just continue and just over time we just learn from each other really it's quite bizarre because um i guess we talked about the same similar things okay. you know she would talk to me about um let, you know let's go out to the garden and pick the vegetables that are in the garden and um yeah, so I just started picking up on those particular words, you know, and you, you don't even need the joining words a lot of the time if you can kind of pick up those main um, things. We just knew what we were talking about. And, it, you know, it was yeah, gardening or doing the washing or um, washing the curtains, which she would still do, you know, in her in old age, um, or whether it was about the dog or the neighbour next door or and she'd ask me about my family and... Yeah. Um, yeah i don't know we just honestly she just she would just speak to me in macedonian and i would just have to know and i think you can hear it in someone's voice what they're trying to to say to you too even if you don't understand the exact words um yeah and you know if if she would say something um you know and the i guess the hand signals and that type of thing or Pushing me closer to the heater, I, you know, quickly figured out that she was asking me if I was cold or, you know, to move closer to, yeah, to get warm. So little things like that. Mm. Um, you just, I just got used to what she meant. Mm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving, so fast forward to your current job um, mm. with the, African not ju- just the African community but the now the other migrants coming in do you find that language is a huge barrier uh, or do you find that you're easily able to communicate regardless of language being a huge barrier how how difficult or how easy is it
1: yeah look I mean language I think it, 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 it uh, sorry it is a barrier yeah but I think there's a way I just feel like the the first way around it as I mentioned with the hospital tours is just to have a welcoming Mm. face like you know you've just got to smile at someone and not to smile with your mouth it's got to be with your eyes and everything you know just a genuine I want you to feel comfortable Mm. and um, welcome here Um, so I think that's kind of where you start And, you know, I think you quickly pick up on whether someone can understand, you know, what you're saying. And if they can't, you know, then I just would break it down to a more simple, Mm -hmm. you know, um, basic English or, as I was saying before, like don't add all those joining words in between it and just use the main words. Um, and, And I think you just pick up on the cues. And I think probably at the beginning when you first meet someone, it's all new and maybe it can be more difficult. But the more times you meet them, the more their personality starts to come out. And and I just continue a little bit like um, my husband's grandmother did to me. I just continue to speak yeah. because they'll be picking up something in what you're saying. And so, you know, I would hate to ever... Um, stop speaking to that person thinking that they don't understand me and speak to the person next to them who can speak English um, or, and understand because then you're automatically just excluding them and not even giving them the opportunity to be able to understand. You might, they might not be able to answer back to me or to say something in English back but they can still take part in that conversation and I think that's really important as well. Oh, you've hit
0: on such an important point. And earlier when I said um, about social skills and conversation in order to, you know, like part of a relationship is conversation and is that servant return of conversation. And if you stop at some stage, then the other person will feel excluded or not mm. a part of it anymore and there is a real block there mm-hmm. and just to be able to go you might i don't understand but still persisting that's a really yes. beautiful thing for any mm-hmm. um yeah just to feel a part of
1: yeah yeah because i think the worst thing you want to feel is that you've been abandoned because you <laughs> because you can't they think you can't understand or you can't partake in the conversation mm-hmm. um but you know what is it 99% of the language is other than spoken so there's so much more that we can um, yeah, there's so much more that we can do with the conversation than just pu- the pure language.
0: That's exactly right. No, thank yeah. you for that. That's really great. Um, just, and for anyone listening, you know, it's, yeah, so important. Like if we can perhaps empathize what it might feel like, you can have amazing language, but if you go, if you're traveling you are back to basics for another language. You can have amazing English, but, you know, yeah, mm. everything else, if you're trying to learn another language, it's really those key words that you need to know yes. and how you can interact. Um, yeah, for sure. can, Yeah, slow and even patience, um, a little bit of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, I've travelled to Macedonia myself Mm -hmm. Uh, three times now and each time I go back, yeah, my language is so much better than it was the last. But, you know, I've had that total experience where, you know, we'd be going through um, a very small village and maybe five people who lived there Mm -hmm. and this woman was herding cows and she just was so excited to see someone that she didn't know and came straight up to me and she just, you know, just talking, 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 talking. Yeah. and i'm just looking at her thinking oh, i don't know i kind of know what you might be asking me but i don't really know and um it's a really good experience for you to have and it's good to have it more often than not i think um because it really does make you realize that um yeah there's so many other people who who might be experiencing that and you've just got to find ways around it um yeah, and I think, look, I probably, what I said back to her in some broken language was probably pretty bad. But, you know, she she figured out that I was from Australia and connected to um, the Radevsky family. So, you know, we got there in the end. And I think that that is what it's about. It's about that persistence and patience. And it's okay to have silence. And it's okay for the person to be kind of fumbling, fumbling through it, or, we, or for both of you to fumble through it, because that kind of, that builds a relationship as well um, and I think yeah you get that trust too that I can do this again and it's, it'll be okay even if it's a bit muddled or even if it's not really easy
0: that's right oh that's beautiful I love it mm-hmm. <laughs> your brain is going yes yes that's it it's good <laughs> um, now with the African house you said one of the things <laughs> would like to do is break down barriers and Mm. question one what what are some of these barriers and how do you see them being gently broken
1: down or
0: yeah
1: yeah so i mean one of the barriers i see um is that people think um that to say someone is African means a particular thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and whereas, you know, Africa is a continent and um, it's made up of 54 countries. So it it's incredible um, that we even kind of have that notion that people think that all African people would be the same. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess those um, stereotypes are some of, yeah, one of the, probably the major barriers that, I think we have, Um, and that's just not um, not just in Shepparton either. Just um, and I guess probably too in Shepparton we have probably maybe a bit more greater awareness of some of the different nationalities. um, You know that probably being Congolese, um, Sudanese, South Sudanese. um, Maybe people are aware. uh, Maybe maybe Burundian. But I think there's probably, that might almost be the extent of it. I don't think that people really think um, or recognise all of those other, Mm -hmm. all of the other countries. Does that make sense? Yes. Just because of, you know, that's their limited experience of of who is here. Um, And I guess one of the ways that we look at doing that, probably our major way, is is through our festival um, that we hold each year called A Taste of African Cultures. And... You know the whole um, premise behind that is that there are many, many different cultures, flavours, you know, sights, sounds of Africa, and this is an opportunity for um, to to showcase those and to maybe highlight some of the differences, so that people get to eat something from you know, like you know, completely different cuisines or hear the completely different music, um, fashion uh yeah so i think that's that's definitely one of the um yeah one of the barriers yeah Yeah. and i yeah i think too probably the other one you know this is just purely coming from my point of view um but i think maybe people haven't had the opportunity And not everyone. So I guess, sorry, kids at school, primary schools particularly, I I don't even think they see skin colour or different nationalities um, in the schools, which is just brilliant. It's, you know, it's the best thing that... that we've got in Greater Shepparton. We're really, really lucky to have such a great multicultural spread. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the, you know, in, after you've left school or that type of age group, I think that we probably haven't had as many opportunities to build relationships um, with African people, um, maybe even work in the same workplaces as them. Um, yeah, and I think those age groups um, that's where we can kind of um, assist to maybe start to build some relationships or get people to come together with people of African heritage to, you know, learn from each other. Yeah. Does that make sense, Adi? It
0: does. It does. Yeah. And yeah. and the whole notion of building relationships, you know, not not throwing, you know, everyone into the deep end, but slowly the scaffold around it and mm-hmm. going gently but creating those opportunities and being very intentional about them yes. to educate, right? Um, yeah. Learn about it but then even experience it because what you see out on the media and what mm-hmm. a lot of that is stereotypical and and it informs your decision in some way but is it truly informed if you haven't heard all the perspectives or, or mm-hmm. all? And- um, of the story. And that's, that's what a human being is. There are different angles and different perspectives. yes
1: yeah. Do that. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, probably um, we do, you know, there would be some people that may be even, you know, maybe frightened um, to, to speak to, I mean, maybe not even just necessarily an African person, but somebody that does not have the same skin colour as them or, you know, is clearly from a, from a different um, nationality. And, yeah, that's just such a shame because there's nothing to be scared of. And, I mean, that other person may feel the same, <laughs> um, but there's so many opportunities and so much learning that can be done by just reaching out that, you know, that hand of friendship um, to someone else. Yeah, I
0: really like that quote. The hand of um, friendship. That's really mm. cool. And okay, have you have you met someone who is afraid to actually speak to someone of a different skin colour um, purely because they're not? Actually, if yes, well, have you had it? Um, have you had it? An opportunity to have a conversation as to why that might be like. I would be so curious—not as yeah. in curious, but more, what is it that actually, yeah, scares, scares
1: them? Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, not. I haven't met someone who's had that experience, mm-hmm. but I can definitely say that I have had, um, a little while back, had quite a, um, eye-opening and unforgettable experience myself. Um, I had gone to, um, what do they call them? Speed data Muslim or something like that. It was a, you know, a session, um, that was held locally. And I had always thought that I was quite, um, open and welcoming and, um, embracing of other cultures, um, and realized that actually I'd never spoken to anyone wearing a face veil, um, and had never even looked someone wearing a face veil in the eye i'd never and then i kind of realized wow like i've been just missing out on all of these potential opportunities um of you know meeting other people and um having that uh interaction and so i had the opportunity at this speed data muslim and it was just brilliant it really did change things so much for me because I think I just I maybe just thought that I didn't really know where to look or you know or how how would you communicate um when I can't see you know so much of their face um but you know that all came back to the eyes again once again like they're just so important to show interest and um welcome and warmth um yeah so I guess that's That kind of just reminded me that that was one little experience I had and I'm sure there are other people who just haven't had the opportunity, maybe they haven't had the opportunity to sit down next to somebody um, from an African background and have a conversation or to, you know, create food together or to hear them sing or, you know, and an opportunity to then be able to interact so maybe people just haven't had the opportunities and I guess that's what we um, try to give people the opportunity to do that. And, you know, if it's through our volunteering, then it's, it's always two ways. You know, the volunteers might be there assisting with a particular program, but what that volunteer gets yeah. through that interaction with the community, um, you know, is is so valuable.
0: Absolutely. That's really interesting. Um, sorry, my brain's back at the eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it uncomfortable? What, I'm just trying to figure out, or even yeah, trying to empathize, but which I'm finding very hard to do at this point. But yeah, when um, when you looked at the person and you realized, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't. I don't know where to look, at what point yeah, did you become comfortable or how did you know you were comfortable or not comfortable?
1: Yeah, I think I just thought, well, it's right here, it's happening, you've got to do it. And I think once you start that conversation, it just all just melted away because you realise, yes, you can have that conversation. You know, all I needed was the eyes, really. And I, you know, have, remember after that session then walking down the street and seeing women um, with the face veil and just just looking at them and looking at them in the eyes and yeah. just smiling, you know, and, and that was, it was kind of, it was just over, you know. that, Yeah, and it just seemed like such a silly thing, but I think it really to me just did come down to the fact that I'd never had the opportunity, never had the experience. Um, and then when it was put in front of me, you know, it was there for the taking and I've never kind of looked back.
0: Absolutely. And mm. it, the other thing that I sort of draw upon, I was listening to a webinar maybe two weeks ago and it was by a psychologist, I think a psychologist. Anyway, one thing he said, um, his name is Stephen Dye, I can't say his last name, but... <laughs> no. uh, He said one thing, and he's like, the human mind is either in the past or it's in the future. You're not too frequently in the present. So a little bit of, you know, the connection to your creating those opportunities, actually just being present, experiencing it, and then make your decision as to is it okay or is it not okay, right? But the idea... or I might be, I don't even know what to do. What will I say? Um, How will I, will I offend the person or not offend the person? So that's almost that futuristic thinking, right? All the time jumping to a sort of conclusion um, in a sense to go, all right, let's, let's not even go there to be like, because of all of those, either it's fear or it's uncertainty. Yeah. Mm -hmm
1: yeah and i mean look as as a mum too you know that conversation you have with your kids all the time like the what if what if what if what if and you know it's always what if doom happens but you know what if something really incredible happens you know so you've got to yeah try not to think too much about it or think too far ahead just um yeah just be there as you said in the moment and let it come whatever however it comes it's going to be okay. You're both human, you know, both, you don't know exactly how that person's feeling. They don't know how you're feeling. Just, yeah, let it come and let it be natural and it's okay if, you know, something feels weird or bumpy or, you know, that's, that's life. It's, it's all good. I think, yeah, just, yeah, getting back to what I said before, it's just that important to persist and to continue and, um, you know, continue until it's good, until it feels okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Um, And one of my sort of final questions is with the African community themselves um, that are engaged with the African house, what sort of stories have you heard from them in terms of um, either the breaking of barriers or the barrier itself? And do they, you know, because you work there, have they actually mentioned a few things that people it would be worth sharing that word or ideas of how to connect with them? yeah,
1: well, I think um one of our um community members told a story not too long ago, actually, I think you were in the room. <laughs> oh, please no, oh, I'm not sure who knows well, let's see um. So she actually talked about the value um, that she has found being part of um, the play group that we have at African House. So um, lots of different cultures mm-hmm. attend um, the play group, and she just talked about um, the fact that so she's South Sudanese and she has, you know, as she would say, she would, she had black skin, and she would see. Um, other um women that she'd seen from the play group so maybe um afghani or iraqi women and she would see them down the street but they would never look at her or wave to her or speak to her because she felt they were scared of her black skin and this is the way she says it um and then through the play group she has met these women met their families you know um had these interactions through playgroup and it's just been so beautiful that now when she sees them on the bus or when they're walking down the street, that they speak to each other and they're not scared of her black skin anymore. You know, like to her, um, you know, she just got this, they've had this opportunity to build a relationship. They're in the same room together. They got to to know each other and, yeah, they're not afraid anymore.
0: that they- so heartwarming.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. But the stereotype of yes, they were scared of my skin. And I hear that again and again, yeah. too frequently, mm. but going, let's just converse, say hi. Yes. yes. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. And I think something like a mother's group or... Uh, something where there is something else being involved so like with a um, like a play group or something you know kids are a awesome um thing to break down uh, tension or you know um any feelings of awkwardness um but just the same as if you cooked a meal together um that's another thing, you know, that, that happens sometimes at African House too. There'll be different nationalities of women cooking together and it's the food that glues everybody together, um, just like the kids do. And, you know, if it's the men working on a joint project um, out in the garden, it's that, yeah, that, yeah, that brings them together and um, just gives you that opportunity to, to build a relationship with someone and not worry about all that other stuff not worry about the skin not worry about the language not worry about yeah whether they um you know their religion or anything it's you're focused on a particular thing you're doing it together and now you've had that experience um and you grow from that
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. and my final question is if anyone That's listening in Shepton and they want to either connect, engage with African House. Where do they find out more about different projects? Um, Yeah, just what you guys have to offer.
1: Yeah, probably the the best thing um, to do would be to access our Facebook page. Um, it's really a place for all things African House, um, where we put up all our programs, everything that's happening. Um, You can jump on there and have a little look through and just kind of see what it is that you may be interested in. There are always um, different opportunities. At the moment things are, there aren't so many um, with the pandemic, but it, there will always be opportunities in the future um, for you to be able to engage, join in, um, you know, build relationships, just and and feel the warmth and the um, vibrancy of of the African culture. It's really, um, yeah, wish everyone should do it. Really, absolutely! Wow!
0: Thank you so much, Kate. This has been amazing. Do you have any final words, anything? I know you took some notes previously. Anything that you, we've skipped, I haven't asked you a question or
1: something you'd just like to share? Yeah. Um, Yeah, look, I probably just, maybe there's just two or a few little things that I kind of wrote down. And um, I think um, that... Friendship and acceptance is the greatest gift that you can give someone. Um, and that can be a smile, um, that can be looking somebody in the eye who's wearing a face veil. Um, and just not, not letting that um, fear of you not sure what's going to happen um, stop you from doing that um, to showing your warmth and, and giving that um, friendship and ex- acceptance Um, I think that we're all put on this earth to learn Mm -hmm. and I don't think there's any greater way that you can learn than from another human being. Um, I truly believe that and I think your life is going to be so much more rich for including everyone in it, not just the people that maybe you think you have um, uh, similarities with or connections with or the people that look like you, sound like you um you know from the same type of backgrounds i think really you um there's a whole world out there and um your life will be so much richer for it to to be open to to building those relationships
0: and that's it oh, thank you i'll stop recording